we've talked a little bit about this before, but it keeps, keeps coming back to my heart that somewhere, some long, uh, somewhere along the way, um, we as a church, I believe, have stopped dreaming. We expect it to come from the pulpit or the leadership, but we often don't look to ourselves to dream anymore. There's some interesting facts about dreams. Dreamt is the only English word that ends in MT. The average person has over 1,460 dreams per year. Most dreams only last 5 to 20 minutes. Now, some of you might get offended by this, but scientists say the higher your IQ, the more you dream. So some of you that have dreamed in a while, you might need to take some brain pills or something or start studying again. <laughs> this is also kind of strange. The colder the room you sleep in, the better chances that you'll have a bad dream. Well, let's talk about <clears throat> Joseph's dreams in Genesis 37. Now, there's a lot of scripture. Today is going to be a little different. I'm not going to read to you very much of the text because we could cover chapters uh, in Genesis over Joseph's story. But I'm just going to give you kind of a brief recap and a somewhat kid-friendly recap as well because we'll talk about Potiphar's wife a little. But, but Joseph, you know, at a young age of 17, God gives him visions that basically tell him that everybody, including his brothers, his older brothers, uh, and his parents are going to bow down to him one day. And being the young, spry 17-year-old, you know, he was, I can remember, you know, if, if I was into some kind of uh, fitness or if I was into something, you know, that I had to tell my family about all the time, wear him out on it, you know. So I'm sure like most 17-year-olds, he was probably talking more than he needed to about what God was telling, but he told them and they began to hate him. Now, Joseph, he was uh, his father Jacob's favorite because uh, Jacob had him in his older years. He, he came later. He was the surprise. I was the surprise. After three other kids, kids i was a surprise and so um you know he he was looked at as that favorite that youngest one the brat right and <clears throat> you know so there were several things came with it, a coat of many colors and and other things that uh he was set apart uh and then the brothers conspired to kill him and and if it wasn't for a brother reuben who didn't want bloodshed they end up throwing him in a pit they sell him to the syrians or traveling through he gets sold to Potiphar, he gets taken to Egypt and sold, and then through a set of circumstances, um, it says that Joseph was a good-looking guy in physique and appearance, and Potiphar's wife decided, hey, you look good, and uh, pr pursued him, and in that, in him running, she lied and made uh, Potiphar believe that Joseph had, had approached her, uh, he ends up putting him in prison, about that time, also a royal cupbearer and a baker gets in trouble. They get thrown in prison. They're facing some serious stuff, and they have dreams. And Joseph interprets their dreams, one of which is good, and the other guy gets the bad end of the deal because the other guy is told that, um, that, they're gonna, that he's going to end up dying in three days. The other guy is going to get released and restored. Well, <clears throat> it takes a couple years before that cupbearer remembers the favor that uh, Joseph did for him because um, the king has a dream anyway he has a dream and and uh, he tells him about Joseph and so he interprets Joseph interprets his dream ends up saving the the kingdom from some trouble and so fast forwarding Joseph gets put into a place of power kind of like a governor he's in charge of all the commerce if you will so <clears throat> then we come upon his brothers they go through a time of famine and their father sends them to Egypt to go buy grain. They don't recognize Joseph. It's been like 13 years. 
So they don't recognize him. Think about from 17 to age 17 to age 30. Now, I've seen some video of Andrew from years ago when my boys were little. Andrew, you've not changed much. But for everybody else in the room, <laughs> Andrew doesn't age. But, you know, the rest of us, you know, get wrinkles or whatever. And, and, uh, but, you know, th- 13 years can age. So they don't recognize him, but he recognizes them. So he puts them through a little test. He sends them back and does some things. I'm just kind of consolidating here. But the end story is he's, it's not like he's really trying to have revenge. It's more kind of to teach them a lesson. But they do end up bowing to him. But he brings his family, he, he feeds them, he takes care of them. It's a great story. But, but Joseph, the interesting thing about Joseph is that he never let go of the dreams that God gave him. In Numbers 12, 6, it says, Listen to my words. When there is a prophet among you, I, the Lord, reveal myself to them in visions. I speak to them in dreams. Ecclesiastes 5.3, a dream comes when there are many cares. So visions and dreams are, are one of the way God, one of the ways God communicates with God communicates with the people throughout the centuries, throughout all time. He's communicated that way. But why can't he just say to us, you know, um, why can't he just say to us what he wants to say? Why does he have to use a dream or a vision? Why can't God just turn on the audio, right? Click on the mic and and Andrew. I want you to do this. Why doesn't he just do that, right? That's a cool effect, isn't it? But why didn't God just do that? You know, boom, I, I can understand that's God. It sounds different than everybody else. But he doesn't. But we know much of the way God works is mysterious. Maybe our subconscious can more readily receive our conscious than hear the Spirit speaking. Paul said the natural man can't receive the things of the Spirit. We know that Jesus was killed because people who were supposedly the church people couldn't recognize him as a son of God and wanted to kill him for blasphemy. It may be that our mind works better in pictures. I know they say men are more uh, pictorial in their thinking than, than uh, rational. But that might be why God revealed the book of Revelation to John the revelator in pictures. He, he could remember them easier. He caught up into heaven and actually showed him. You know, let's just show you visually. God said, in the last days, I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh. Your young men will see visions and your old, man, old men will dream dreams. So visions really can be seen in dreams as the language of the Holy Spirit. That we are made in the image of God and God uses that as a communication device and, and God calls the things that, uh, that, that need to be communicated. He calls them sometimes through the visions and dreams. And the vast detail and diversity of creation uh, speaks how mighty the imagination of God is. I mean, God didn't have to make the sunsets like they have been lately. There's one recently that was just incredible. Blues and purples and oranges. And God didn't have to communicate himself to us in such a pictorial way that he does or, uh, or in the way that he does. But today I want us to talk about the secrets of the dream keepers. The secrets of the dream keepers. We're going to look at dreams in the Bible and that there's five secrets of the dream keepers. But first let's talk about the nature of dreams. Dreams in the Bible, they, they are visions frequently... Uh, dreams of warning like Abimelech in Genesis 20, uh, Leban in Genesis 31, the Magi, Matthew 2, 
Joseph, Matthew 2, Pontius Pilate's, um, Pontius Pilate's wife in Matthew 27. And then the Bible has dreams of foretelling the future. And Joseph in Genesis, Cupbearer and Baker in Genesis 40, Pharaoh, Genesis 41, uh, the Benionites um, <clears throat> and the destruction by Gideon in Judges 7, Nebuchadnezzar in Daniel 2 and Daniel 4, and then also dreams of promise, uh, Solomon in 1 Kings and Joseph in Matthew 1, Joseph, Joseph in Matthew 2 and Jacob in Genesis 28, and then Abraham. They go on. So there's plenty of opportunity in the Scripture for us to see that dreams and visions are a part of a major part of God's communication to us, to men. But not all dreams are given to people when they are asleep. Many of God's uh, visions are given uh, while they're awake. Abraham was told to go outside and look at the stars and the number of them so, to show all the descendants that he would have, that more than the stars of the heaven. And he was called to believe what he saw physically. And there's probably more examples of that that exist that we don't have time to go in today, but um, here's the thing. There's a difficulty to sticking to dreams, though. Many of those who received dreams had to wait for them to occur. And we are an impatient people. And the further we go on in life, we get more and more impatient. But in order to ultimately receive uh, the fulfillment of a dream, the person who had received it had to continue to trust the dream would be ultimately come true. Uh, there's a video Pastor Watson posted on Facebook, I reposted, and it was talking about this generation. I'm real careful about posting anything that says, this is what's wrong with this generation, because we're trying to reach all generations, right? We don't want to ostracize a certain group and say, we think there's something wrong with you, right? But, but if you watch the video, the, the guy who I have no idea who he is, but he seemed pretty smart, was talking about um, the social media and the electronics and all the things that are are bringing our our youth expectations down to very immediate gratification and loneliness that where they get their fulfillment is from likes on a post and those type of things so there's more depression there's more suicide there's things like that that are increasing because um, of, of that and so dreams though in the bible it took a while for them to be fulfilled there is, there is sometimes a, a long waiting period, sometimes for many years, like Abraham, Joseph, David, Daniel. You go on, there's always a waiting period. They had to be careful not to begin to act ungodly or to despair that their dream would never come. It always seemed like there was a temptation in there. The dream's given, but there was temptation to try and divert from it. And so we either see the success of the person conquering that the, through God's power, that temptation to the fulfillment of the dream or losing out. But of those who were successful, what were the secrets that helped them maintain their faith and fidelity? See, this is the point where preaching always needs to come is, that's great, Pastor CJ. That's great what God's Word says. Now, how do I apply it? How do I get myself from where I'm at to where I need to be? So the five secrets of the dream keepers. First one is, know that your dream is from God. It's easy to hear a lot of voices. And I'm not talking about a medical condition. But it's easy to hear a lot of voices. Because of our social media world, it's very tempting to run to other people instead of God first when, when you're questioning what you're supposed to be doing. It's easier to go to the opinion of people because it's so readily at your fingertips than it is to wait on God. 
So the first thing is you have to resolve in your heart that the only way you're going to get your life turned around from the emptiness or the loneliness or the things that you're feeling now because you feel a lack of fulfillment in your life, if you want to start dreaming again, you've got to first know that your dream is from God. You've got to do that in order to not be swayed from your journey toward fulfillment. If you don't know for sure it's from God, it would be really easy to take anybody's opinion and divert and chase some other dream. When God says it, believe it, and that settles it. And once you know God's spoken, it's as if it's carved in stone. Uh, now, I, don't, I try not to use too many of my own illustrations here, but uh, my boys have taken an interest, and sorry, boys, I know we talk about don't use family for illustrations, but it's too good. So <laughs> yesterday for, for New Year's uh, Eve, we went, we used to always go when they were little boys. I've got pictures of years and years of going to the donut shop on Saturday mornings, all the way back when they were real little. Sitting up when old time donuts was still in, they sit up at the counter and those ladies would talk Spanish to them and they'd practice their Spanish on them. And, and uh, you know, we just have fond memories, so we hadn't done it in a long time. Let's go to the donut shop. But they've been asking me about the times when dad was in really good shape because mom showed them some pictures, you know, so they got to, you know, how, did, how do I you know, do that, dad? So... We've been talking about healthy choices and eating, and I talked about at one point, no matter what kind of pressure was on me, I had to treat any food I shouldn't eat as poison. And my mom and dad could tell you, I'm sure it was embarrassing for them. They get invited by some new family in the church to come eat, and I bring my little, uh, you know, Ziploc thing with my food in there because I had to eat it a certain way and prepare a certain way. And so I was talking to them about the discipline that takes. You've got to treat it like poison. So we go to Krispy Kreme's. All right? And I gave them a choice. We could have eaten at Denny's, and, and I'm getting evil looks here. But we go to Krispy Kremes. And so we're at the counter, and I said, okay, what do you guys want to drink? You want soda? You want juice? Whatever. It's like, no, water. Soda's too addictive. Soda can be addictive, and it's bad for you. We bought a dozen of the craziest of the biggest, with all kinds of jellies and stuff, donuts. But we drank water for, uh, to be healthy. <laughs> But once you know God has given you a dream, you got, it's carved in stone. It's like poison. Anything else is poison. You've got you to treat it like poison. It doesn't matter if some good pastor you really like who says, you know, I see something else in you. It's okay to listen, you know, because God might try to speak for them. But if it goes against what God has clearly spoke to your heart and you know it, you've got to treat it like poison. It's not that you're rude to them or you're, you're disrespectful. You just in your heart know I'm staying the course. I know what God has asked me to do. There's been times in my life I've had close family who in lovingly and concerned for me, no, nothing wrong in what they did, but they coaxed me towards making a decision because they could see in my immediate future they thought that would be best, but God had spoken something clearly and I had to stay the course. And it, caused, it could cause uh, you know, some uncomfortable uh, moments with family, with your pastor, with friends, but you've got to stay the course. And the second thing, be prepared for a lengthy fulfillment period. I alluded to this a little earlier, but God doesn't always work at the speed we want. I wish he did. I wish when you come to me and say, Pastor, I'm trying to figure out what God's doing here. I wish I could just say, oh, don't worry, he'll tell you tomorrow. God has a 24-hour turnaround, just like Walmart, sundown rule. He'll tell you before you go to bed. I wish, but it's not that way. Sometimes he answers immediately when he's still speaking. Other times it's might be many years i waited 20 years to step into the door full-time ministry not god's fault some of that a lot of it mine but there are some years of that that was god's timing 
Someone said we need to live as if Jesus is coming today, but make plans as if he were coming a thousand years from now. And that's how we approach ministry. We want to live our lives like Jesus is coming right now, but we want to plan for the ministry of New Song like we've got a thousand years. So, as it's often quoted, hope deferred makes the heart sick, Proverbs 13, 12. So at the same time, God has to prepare the way in order to move us into position. Sometimes there's people or objects or things that have to be moved before you can go. So you have to be patient. Sometimes someone must be moved out of the way before we can be moved in. We see that in biblical references where one leader would have to be moved out before God's man was put in. And all this takes time. Esther had to wait until the king's wife had displeased him, been uh, deposed, and then for a year, um, for the year-long pageant to be completed. So she couldn't get impatient. God does things in his own way, in his own timing. There's a sociological study in which 50 people over the age of 95 were asked one question. 95 years old. And they could answer, so that's a testimony to their life there. 95, they could answer clearly. But if you could live your life over again, what would you do differently? So it was an open-ended question. And there was a multiplicity of answers, but of all the answers that came from these eldest of the senior citizens, there were three answers constantly reemerged over and over and over and over again. Are you curious to know what they said? 95 years old, this was the most common three. If I had it to do over again, I would reflect more. I would reflect more. We talked about how if a life is a whirlwind, right? There's things about my childhood I've long forgotten until my mom says something or brings it up. I'm like, oh, yeah. We are talking about the time yesterday about me and my sister staying at a window when we were little. said, Mom, there's a monkey in a tree across the street. She's like, oh, stop it. Mom, there's a monkey in a tree. This is Oklahoma. Stop it. Stop teasing. No, Mom, seriously. Come find out. A neighbor owned a monkey, got loose. There's a monkey swinging the trees. (laughs) Parents, you should listen to your kids more and believe them. (laughs) But they would reflect more. You know, remembering those things is fun. It, It reminds you of who you are. Sometimes you can lose who you are in life. Sometimes even pastors, you start to lose who you are. God has to remind you. If you had to do it over again, would you? This is the second one. If I had to do it over again, I would risk more. I'd risk more. We get too complacent, too comfortable sometimes, and then we regret it. If I had to do it over again, number three, I would do more things that would live on after I'm dead. A legacy. It's very scriptural. God was trying to get the children of Israel to teach their children to leave legacy. That generations start to forget about the crossing of the, of the sea, right? The parting of the waters. All right, back to the third secret of the dream keepers. Usually we must grow into the dream. There's always a growth process. A lot of times we want to think that we've arrived and we know all there is to know. And when God speaks, we already know how it's going to play out. And no one can tell us anything. We've got it all figured out because we we've read the Bible and we've grown up in church. We know it all, right? Well, that's only accounting for a written God, not a living God. Not a God that can change his heart, change his mind if he wants to. He can do anything he wants. Many great painters and musicians credited their sufferings to their great accomplishments. There's suffering that came with it. Emerson said, oh, do not pray for the easy lives. Pray to be stronger men. Do not pray for tasks equal to 
to your powers. Pray for powers equal to your tasks. Now I tell you, that's written by a man who has done has gone through some stuff. And the reason I know that is I went through some stuff once in my life that was so crushing. I thought I could never pull out of it. And from that, this little saying that I've carried through my life is, it's not about what's fair, because life isn't fair. It's about what makes me what God wants me to be. I don't care if it's fair. I don't care if I get treated fairly. I'm not here to make things fair. I'm not here to equal the score. I'm not here to make everybody treat me right. I'm here to become what God wants me to become. And sometimes that comes from trials. We say that a lot, and we lose the effect of what it is. Sometimes it comes from you being treated unfairly, being talked about badly, being taxed unfairly, being governed unfairly. Sometimes that comes from all of that, but that's not what we're here for, is for life to be fair. Hebrews 10, 35-36 says, So do not throw away your confidence. It will be richly rewarded. You need to preserve, you need to preserve so that when you have, have done the will of God, you receive what he has promised. You need to preserve. See, a lot of times we want to uh, pick a, a, a complete destiny point of view. Well, God wants it to happen. It's going to happen in, independent of me. No, you can miss out on God's plan. You can wreck it. You can. Joseph, Joseph wasn't ready to be the prime minister of Egypt when he was first given his dreams. He had to grow into character. At 17 years old, the fact that he ran out to his brothers, who obviously didn't have a good relationship to start with, started saying, you're going to bow down to me, my dream. My dream shows. I mean, he needed to grow into it because the way he responded when they came back was a whole different Joseph, right? He, he, wanted, he wanted them to come close. In fact, when they finally, they were in shock, he had to tell them to draw close. And it said he wept so loud, he was so overwhelmed by the emotion that everybody outside that he'd sent away could hear it. He was trying to be private about it when he revealed himself. And he got so emotional and so excited about being restored to his family, even after what they'd done to him, that he cried out loud. So um, if we want to be great in the kingdom, we must begin preparing now and live as if we were filling the position today. You heard the saying, dress for success, right? You ever heard the saying that um, if you want to be great, have friends that are greater than you? Don't pick people that you can be the greatest in that circle, but, but pick people to be friends with who you can learn from. Obedience and growth are certainly requirements of receiving future upgrades of position. Now, um, some of you have heard this a lot, but when Pastor Jim that started this church, before he passed away, the week before they flew him to the Mayo Clinic, at 3 in the a.m., I'm sleeping in the waiting room. Nurse comes, gets me, has me come in, and he wants to tell me a few things, has me lean over close because his voice was weak, and he says, CJ, I want you to know promotion comes from the Lord. I said, oh, I know, Pastor Jim, I know. No, no, I want you to know this. It's like he knew I wasn't understanding. Promotion comes from the Lord. I'll always wonder if God hadn't revealed him then that I'd be standing here in this pulpit filling it after the guy that came after him came. So, you know, I had always talked to Pastor Jim all the time about it at Walmart corporate office. Oh, man, this position's open. If I can get that, it'll raise my income this much, and then I could bounce up here to this position. And, you know, I was so focused on that. Number four, the fourth secret of the dream keepers is the dream breakers will come. Now, this part, kids, I want you to listen, even the little ones. I'm going to hopefully put this in a way that you can really get it, and adults too. The dream breakers will come. Right now, as young people, God is probably putting dreams on your heart. 
One of my boys has said he is called to be a missionary, and his brother says he's called to go help him. And uh, you get older, you get like this when you talk about your kids. <laughs> It'll come, Andrew. The scripture talked about during the baby dedication. Don't be wrathful to your kids. You know, God's been stopping us sometimes in our tracks when I'm, I hear the tone in our house where the kids aren't always doing what they're supposed to be doing. We're like, ah, ah, you know. And it's like, what are we doing to help them fulfill that calling? If God has called them, then we need to be focused on that. So be careful because even parents can be the ones that are the dream breakers. Avoid interpreting dream status through current conditions. This was a great, this would be a great segue into a sermon on joy because we know joy is not determined by your circumstances today. Joy lives in your heart and it carries you through. You may not be happy that day, but you may have joy. In the same way, avoid interpreting dream status through current conditions. Think about this. When Joseph got thrown in the pit by his brothers, he could have said, well, that dream was wrong. Well, that's a sad ending to what God had said would be a great thing. What about when he was in prison after Powerful's wife? She lied about him. He was innocent. He could have said, well, thanks, God. This is a great ending to that story. See, events will take place that seem to confirm our dreams will never happen and, and that we must have been mistaken and that instead of getting closer to our dreams, some diabolical power is actually taking us in the wrong direction. We tend to blame the devil or the duber. We started calling the devil a duber because I don't even want to give him credit for stuff. So I'm like, the duber did it. But the devil or the duber, whatever you want to name him, we tend to blame him for things. Sometimes God's just saying, hey, I'm just taking my time, buddy. And I'm just chiseling away at you. You're in that prison, but I got you. I got angels. Remember our angel series we just concluded on Wednesdays? I got angels sitting all around that prison cell. No one can take you out. Do you understand? You're my child. That's just temporary holding cell for your dream to come, come to place. So we must understand that Events will take place. Instead of getting close to our dreams, some diabolical power we think is actually taking us the wrong direction. People around you who say they love you, and they probably do, will want to crush your dreams out of different reasons. Let's talk about a few of those. People may want to crush your dreams because of jealousy. Maybe you're shown favor. You're that youngest one like Joseph that, that God has shown some favor, and so they don't know how to dream anymore. Maybe they've lost their ability to dream. Uh, they've cast it away. And so maybe jealousy is driving it. Maybe boredom. They've dismissed their own dreams as foolishness as their childhood, and so uh, mediocrity is set in, and they're just kind of bored, and they do that to crush dreams. It's often said that people that have too much time on their hands are destroyers. They're destroyers. If you've got too much time on your hands, chances are you're destroying something. God has intended for you to stay busy in your life. And I'm not talking about working another 10, 15 hours on a 60-hour week at Walmart. I'm talking about, about the Lord's work when you get complacent and you get lazy. Low self-esteem. Sometimes people just don't feel good about themselves, and so they take it out on others, and they don't realize they're trying to crush a dream that is God-given. They're stepping on dangerous grounds. Remember the angel series. They got an angel they don't see as nose-to-nose -nose with them right then, getting ready to bring down the sword on their head. There's sometimes people go through crushing things in their life because they've been trying to crush one of God's dreams in another. And they don't understand why their cars and everything starts breaking down and all this stuff. And I don't think that that's always the case, but I'm telling you, I know that God can bring his wrath if you come against God's chosen. And then disappointments of their own. 
They think their dreams are not coming true, so it's a race to, to who gets there first, and that's their way of winning. Uh, they want their dreams. It's the one-uppers. It's the people, no matter what you tell them good in your life, they've got to tell you what they've got better. So I have this little saying for you on this point, on secrets of the dream keepers. Avoid the meanies, but dreams don't come from genies. Avoid the meanies, but dreams don't come from genies. That keeps you pointed that God is only over of the dreams, and avoid the people who are just the naysayers. Sometimes the Bible says, you know, don't cast your pearls before the swine. Sometimes don't talk about the dreams. The people you know are just, they're cynical. They're pessimistic. They're miserable. Just don't talk about it because they're going to find some way to bring negativity to it. So avoid the meanies, but dreams don't come from genies. So let's take David, for example. Samuel the prophet had anointed him to be the next king. God helped him to defeat Goliath. He was given the king's daughter as a wife. He was made a high-ranking officer of the army. Then everything started going south. The king started trying to kill him. He became a fugitive and a marked man with a bounty on his head, and the army pursued him day and night everywhere he went. His wife was taken from him and married to another man, and he was captured by the Philistines, only uh, then eluded, um, eluded them by acting insane. And then the man was the man that was his only source of income decided not to pay him. So, I mean, everything's coming apart. But David married a new wife and started a new family. And while he was gone on a trip, his family and those of his men were captured in a raid and their whole town burned to the ground. So David went from bad to worse. And David almost despaired, but in prayer was strengthened by God. See, this is another example. Young people, I'm going to tell you, I, I know I'm older I know you think I'm ancient, but listen, I played video games. I had one of the first ones, all right? I had Texas Instrument. That was before Atari. That was the slow pong. Bing. Bing. Some of you don't know what I'm talking about. Some of you do. But you go fix a sandwich and come back, and you still hadn't lost a point. Um, <laughs> so I know about the time video games can take, all right? Yours are lightning fast. You can play 10 games that used to take me a day to play one. So... I understand, but listen, don't let it rob your dreams. Don't let electronics and what this world's trying to sell you rob your dreams. I'm going to tell you that it's a dangerous thing because if you've ever been, if you're old enough, you've got a phone of your own and you're starting to do Facebook and all, listen from a grown-up that knows. How many in here would say that you felt lonely before while you're on Facebook? Anybody want to be honest? Anybody else felt lonely? The rest of you just don't want to admit it. <laughs> Truth is, because the reason I know that, because the science is proving it now. It's causing depression. Not Facebook, but the fact that we look to it with such significance. It's always at our fingertips, and we go to it for everything. And so I'm going to tell you, don't let it rob. Stay away from the dream robbers. So... With Joseph, it was a similar story. Um, he had some good things. He was his uh, father's favorite son. He was gifted with a special position. Um, then bad stuff, his brothers betrayed him and sold him to slavery. And then, like we said, Potiphar's wife messed him over, and he ended up in prison. And, but then it turned out good. And so, you know, you go back and forth, but this is all part of the dream fulfillment. Now, they say it's the darkest just before the dawn. And that usually seems to be the way God does it. Okay, the fifth and final Secret of the dream keepers is when it comes to fulfillment, don't be a self-fulfilling dream. 
let God fulfill you when he fulfills your dream. In other words, don't try to create stuff outside of God doing it. Don't try to, you know, I think I know what my dream is and now I'm going to pursue it. Wait on God. Make sure, go back to point one, make sure it's God. Why doesn't God want you to always just go for what's right in front of you? Why does this have to be such a mysterious thing? There's a dream and there's a process and all this. Why does he want to do that? Well, I, I heard about a story about a, a minister. His wife passed away from cancer and he had two boys and, and uh, he still was having to travel. He was an evangelist. And so he had someone that watched the boys. But wherever he went, he came back. He brought a gift for them, except one trip. He got two crunch for time, flight delays because of weather, and he comes home empty-handed. And now that tradition, you know, the boys being good boys, they understood, but he said, you know what? I'm going to take you to the store and you can get anything you, you want. I'm going to take you there. We're going to shop. And so they go to the store and they walk in and there's this huge candy display of every kind of candy. And they're like, oh, Dad, I want this, I want this, I want this. He said, let's just look around a little bit more. And they went on and they went over to the sports section and there was some basketballs. They started bouncing. Dad, we want basketballs. He said, let's, let's just look around a little bit more. And they walked on over to the toy department and they had some, some little shoot-em-up guns, cowboy hats, the whole works. They had this, Dad, we want this. I know it's a little bit more, but can we have this? Let's just look a little bit more. Walk around the corner, and there's these two expensive, nice bicycles. He said, boys, how would you like those bikes? And they were blown away. You see, the dad all along had those bikes in mind. He picked that store. He planned that whole trip. And he knew where the candy thing is. They'd been there. He knew where all the other stuff was. He knew that they'd go to those things. But he had his best in mind for them. So why doesn't God just let us go for what's in front of us? Why doesn't he just let us chase after our own dreams, just whatever whim crosses us? You see, he wants us to wait for his best. He's already planned the trip. He already knows what obstacles will be there. He already knows what enticements, what temptations will be there. He knows, but he wants us to wait for his best. So it is with the Lord. He plans for us that offer things that only he can give. You see, how great is it at things that we can give ourselves? We get bored with those. The things God gives us are everlasting. My children, I couldn't do that without God's help. I couldn't, they couldn't turn into the kids that they turned into without God's help, and so they are much more of a treasure than I could ever create on my own. A look at Joseph's life illustrates this. Joseph could have just given up on his dream and taken Potiphar's wife as a consolation prize. Look at this powerful guy. I got his wife. I win. He could have sent his brothers back without grain to, to sweet revenge as they, they starve and he found a way to keep his dad from starving, but he could have had revenge on them, and he didn't. So why should we dream? We dream because to dream is to live and not to dream is to die. A spiritual mentor of Martin Luther King Jr., uh, Mr. Howard Thurman, put it this way. We cannot continue long to live if the dream in the heart has perished. Where there is no dream, life becomes a swamp, a dreary, dead place, and deep within, our heart begins to rot. The dream is the ever-reoccurring melody in the midst of broken harmony and harsh discords of human conflict. It lives in the inward parts. It is deep within. For as long as a person has a dream in his heart, he cannot lose the significance of living. To dream is to live, and not to dream is to die. 
See, I think our churches may have been dying because we stopped dreaming a long time ago. People don't always fail because they aim too high and miss the mark. Most of the time, they aim too low and hit the mark. So we need to know that our dream is from God. We, we need to not worry about the time it takes to see our dream fulfilled. Be prepared for that lengthy fulfillment period. And then grow into the dream. Let God grow you. Be teachable. And then don't interpret dream status through current conditions. Don't look at today and think your dream is over. Don't look at the current trial and think it's over. And don't be a self-fulfilling dream. God's going to fulfill it. He wants his best for you. So in a minute, I'm going to have Ken go ahead and come to the piano. I, it's New Year's Day, and, and this is a celebration. We've got a lot of great things ahead this year. I mean, talking about dreaming, you know, this church uh, is long overdue for that new building, and we got the plans drawn, you know, we're getting ready to go to the bank. All this stuff is great. It's all part of a vision that Pastor Jim got a long time ago. So how fitting for us to start 2017 talking about dreams and visions because this church was started with a vision. So I'm just going to ask you, young people, older people, very well-experienced people, have you stopped dreaming? It's very much godly to dream, to let him put a dream in your heart and to, to not stop. I can tell you some litmus tests to know if you have, if you're trying to figure out if you have. Are you bored with life? Are you dissatisfied with life? Do you find yourself cranky a lot? Some of those things are indicators that, that the dreaming has stopped. You stop looking at the future and you're just dealing with the here and now and you have no vision for beyond today. Oh, well, pastor, my, my life is more than half over and, you know, I wasted my opportunities. No, you didn't. Abraham, Zechariah. Think about the wonderful thing God does in the golden years of life. You're not done. Let's, let's bow our heads. Heavenly Father, I thank you, Lord, for this wonderful service in 2017, our first one, that God, today we can commit ourselves to, to dreaming once again. That through the story of Joseph, God, we can see how wonderful that process can be. It can be trying. Lord, it can be treacherous at times. That, that we know that you carry us through. That when you give a dream, when you give a vision, God, you will carry us through. And I pray that this church, the New Song Church, for this coming year, that we dream again. God, that our young people would get those dreams and hang on to them and let them let them just mature with them. And Lord, our, our folks that are more experienced in life, that God, they would open themselves up to dream again and be willing to talk about it and open themselves up to the younger men to, to bring them and the younger ladies and the, and the ladies that, that have lived life, God, to, to really start to mentor and let God speak through them, through dreams and visions. We thank you for it in Jesus' name. While everybody has their head bowed, I just want to take an opportunity. I don't feel right about going on and closing the service without an opportunity. If someone's here and you want to accept the Lord as your Savior, you want Jesus to come in and begin to begin to guide your life and for Him to be the King of your life. If you're here this morning and you want to make that decision for, for Christ to, to follow Him, I want you to just raise your hand so I can pray for you. 
Jesus, we thank you, Lord, that uh, by an indication of no hands this morning that we all have a relationship with you. And I just pray, God, that if there's anyone here that couldn't raise their hand but, but needed to, that God continue to speak to their heart and draw them close to you. We thank you and praise you in Jesus' name. Amen.